Hey, it's Bill Simmons. I have some good news for you. The hottest take. It's back. Oh, yeah. Monday through Thursday, four times a week, you hear from me, Chris Ryan, Sean Fantasy, Mallory Rubin, Wazdeen Lambrey, Van Lathan, Julie Lippman, many other ringer staffers. You get one take, you got to defend it to the death. Sports takes, pop culture takes, food takes, airplane takes. Oh, yeah. It's coming back. First episode drops August 29th. At Walt Disney World Resort, magic is found in spontaneity, the unplanned, the unexpected, an inside joke born in the Haunted Mansion queue, a surprise stitch sighting in Tomorrowland, watching fireworks from your room. These memories aren't made from predetermined plans, but manifested from simply being present and together in the most magical place. Find your moment at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Welcome into the Ringerverse. This is, of course, the Ringer's Nexus podcast feed for all things fandom. We are Steve, the architect Almond, architecting his heart out right now. We are Jomi, the griper, a dinner on. Jomi, the explainer, a dinner on. Jomi, the enforcer, a dinner on. We are Old Man Van. He of the Jagged Edge hairline. And we are Coke Baby Chuck, the 24-karat closer, better known as the Brunch Hottie. Together we are known as uh, the Midnight Boys! Okay. Thursday, Ben Lindbergh and Joanna Robinson. Oh! Joe. Ben Joe. Like a banjo, but it's like a banjo. Oh, I just keep. Going. I'm saying they could they could riff off that. That could be like a a new name. Benjo Kazooie. Ben <gasps> Benjo Kazooie. That's the name. Uh, they returned to break down episode five of She Hulk. Episode five, She Hulk. She Hulk is trudging right along. <laughs> it is trudging. Yeah, it's trudging right along. You don't like She Hulk. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. you don't Let's like Madison. Do this is a. It's not where you. This think. is a place of positivity today. I have a lot to get off my chest. Yeah, I bet you do. Uh, So that's going to be Thursday. Friday, House of R will be deep diving into the fourth episode of Rings of Power. Rop. Roppy. We're getting Roppy with some L's. Black L's. Can we? This is the longest programming. It doesn't matter. I'm going to be honest with you. 
I want a Rings of Power with an all-black cast. I want Rings of Power. You know what I'm saying? Like Rings of Power, but it's about the rings that you would peaky rings of power. That's the show that I want. Okay, that's gonna the happen. rings of black power. The rings of oh my god! Uh, <laughs> oh oh shit, Charles! That gets you just made him sit up in his chair. The, the rings of black power. That's the show, <laughs> bro. That's the show, bro. The rings of black power. It's we could be do great. it historical. You know what I mean? Fannie Lou Hamer. You know what I mean? The rings of black power. That's what we need. Oh boy. That's the show. They're all like competing for one ring to get us reparations. That's the goal at the end. Mm. That's something worth traveling to a Is Dave if Dave Chappelle like Sauron where (laughs) 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 Uh, Saturday? Uh, Jomi and Steve come back. Uh, Harley Quinn season three thoughts. They're they're doing it this way. We doing. Wait, it wait season three already over? Yeah, man. The last episode drops on Thursday. Drops Damn. tomorrow. Yeah, Time mid boys coming back this Sunday. By the way, this is you're saying that this is a long program reminder, but also because there's a ton of shit on here. This Sunday, <laughs> Talk the Thrones comes back as Cr Mal. Joe, CRB, and Chris Ryan give you their instant reactions to the House of Dragon, right? House of the Dragon, right after the episode is done. You never know what family members will fuck each other this Sunday. <laughs> well, that's a, that's a spoiler. I, I just want to apply the rest of the Midnight Boys because we're recording this live. And how do y'all do this every fucking week? My hot takes are going to be so lukewarm today. I'm so tired. I don't know what you're talking about. What do you mean? Uh, it's 10 a.m. because we're It's 10 a.m. I usually record this at like 1 p.m. I'm oh, yeah. feeling frisky. Motherfucker don't care about your time travel travails or whatever. <laughs> like, not here to talk about that. Wake up. On today's show, we're going to be giving a little preview for the show and or boom um, by diving back into the Star Wars Rogue One film. It was great. And later, we'll be giving some of our brief thoughts on the latest episode of House of the Dragon. Now, I will tell you this. We have to do this because Charles really wants to talk House of the Dragon. Uh, me? You called Joe and had an hour-long conversation with her because you just read the book. I, I, read thought, I felt like it was shared. We're both very excited. I'm very excited, too, but you were more excited for House of the Dragon than I thought you were going to be. The last episode was lit. Disgusting, but lit. <laughs> you like, okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking the Rogue One. Rogue One is a great movie. We love it. Uh, Steve, Roll the spoiler warning for a movie that literally came out like five years ago. (laughs) So, like, roll the spoiler warning. We're getting ready to talk about... Rogue One. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. Okay, released on December 16th, 2016, directed by Gareth Edwards. With, with a screenplay by Chris Weitz and Tony Gilroy. This is the direct prequel to the events of Star Wars New Hope. Okay? You always wondered how they were able to detect the weakness in the Death Star and knew where they had to hit it. This is the story of the brave women and men that went to get that information. Rogue One It was a different take on Star Wars. It was a war film from Star Wars. Before we even get into it, uh, what was you guys' initial reactions when you saw Rogue One in theaters? I fell asleep. Don't, don't kill me. Oh, boy. Jesus Christ. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. I will say, I rewatched this in my hotel room last night, and my taste has changed. This is an amazing film. 
But I was actually thrown for a loop because for years I thought this was a Tony Gilroy film. Uh-huh. Like, because like of all of the shit that went on. And then what I saw directed by, I'm like, whoa, 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 did Tony Gilroy do this? So there was a lot of like shenanigans around Rogue One. It had been a VFX artist on the original trilogy. I think prequel trilogy was like, we should do something like Rogue One. Sat, Gareth Edwards directs it. And then they bring in Gilroy to do massive, massive reshoots, which he hasn't really talked about that much. Right. But now in 2022, I feel like, did you think of this as a Tony Gilroy movie? I did. I did think of this. But I'm, I, when there's director shenanigans, I always like to play whose movie is it? AI, whose movie is it? Kubrick's kind of? Is it? Is it? Not is really. It? No, it's more, it's more Spielberg. Is it? I always thought of it as a Spielberg movie. It's kind of split in half, is, though. But, but, that the fun there's a fun game called yeah. whose movie is it? Solo, whose movie is it? Yeah, that's that, gotta be Ron that's, Howard's. That's Ron Howard's. I, I, Are I, you I, sure? I, that's, that's that's a Ron lot of Ron, Ron Howard Howard's in there. Movie. Okay, so so you'd say Solo is Ron Howard's movie. Uh, AI is Spielberg's movie. We're saying yeah. sure. Okay, and then this movie, you would say that this movie is Gilroy's movie. I mean, if you think about who they went to, or at least. Andor is going to be Tony Gilroy being at the helm. I tend to think of this as a Gilroy film. I do too. Justice League. <laughs> okay. All right. Let's not. <laughs> Who's a fight? Whose movie is it? Justice League. Whose movie is it? It's not Zack Snyder's. Wow. It's not Zack Snyder's. Who's the other guy? You don't even know the name that we're not even name. Um, oh, uh, you, you, Steve, Jummy, your thoughts initially with Rogue One. So I showed up to the theater late. Um, Disrespectful. Listen, it was a busy time. And actually, <laughs> we we saw the movie the day that um the day that Carrie Fisher died. And so when the movie movie ends, like toward the end of the movie, and you see Leia, like the whole theater was just like, oh, like just erupted on like a little real sad note. But the, for the movie itself, for what I what I saw the first time I saw it, special. I had a great I had a great time. Jomi, you said that 2016 was a busy year for you. Uh, what, what? How busy were you? I, uh, you know, I was, you know, just it was. Um, I graduated college that year. Right. I was finishing my my undergrad. How close was this to Agents of Shield Gate? Yeah, that's that, that's the main. No, that was here. that was 2018. Were we doing the Jomi interview series here? What are you doing? <laughs> Listen, I got like, Steve, Steve, I, Steve. Like, what is Steve? Now it's your turn to talk. How was the movie for you? It was amazing when I first saw it. Over the podcast, I was absolutely blown away by it. Um, I, I think that it was uh, probably the first time that like I'd seen something that like I, I didn't think Star Wars could do that. I didn't think that uh, we could see like not just an adventure film, but like like you said, a war film uh-huh. like that. And I was like kind of stunned at how grounded and like realistic it was. Like there was a lot of like political sentiment that was like wow this is like really like okay what if the empire was like for real and people were just on the ground trying to figure this shit out that's a very apt take to me because the empire has always existed as something conceptual and the antidote to to the empire has always been hope right we never really talk about the empire as a real brutal regime because we didn't really get that much of that as a matter of fact i can make an argument that in the original trilogy the people besides my poor poor bastards um on Alderaan, man. Shout out, man. Sorry. Sorry that happened to y'all. I can make an argument that the people that the Empire fucked over the most in the original tr- trilogy 
were other people from the Empire. All we saw were, was Darth Vader, like, killing Empire people and people being fucking terrified to be in the Empire, right? We had a sense of the Hulk they had on the galaxy, but we didn't really see the overall shittiness of the regime, right? So what this was was a rebellion um, that was fueled by hope against this conceptual bad thing. Over time, in reading, we learned just how bad they were, just how repressive they were, <coughs> just how totalitarian they were. And Rogue One was one of the movies that really, really drove that home for me, right? Because it's a dark, gritty, epic war film where people have to make these crazy, insane choices about what they're willing to sacrifice to overthrow this regime. I will take it one step further. When Tony Gilroy was talking about doing this, he talked on a podcast, and he was essentially like, it was easy for him to do like the reshoots and the rewrites because he didn't get, basically he didn't give a fuck about Star Wars. He doesn't, he doesn't care about it. And what he cares about is making a world that is grounded and feels real where it's like the politics, the war, the effort that these people go through is real. And even if you look at the rebels in this, what, when we see Cassian, what's the first thing we see him do? Shoot a guy who just gave him information in the back. It. Had to in, do it. Instead of like, because the guy's arm is broken. He can't save him. He's like, you're not going to be a snitch. Bapow. And he, later in the film, Cassian actually tells us how much everybody in the rebellion has had to do bad things. Like, these are good people doing terrible things for a righteous cause. And that's something that we didn't really see in other Star Wars. We were like, oh, the rebels are 100% good. They've never done anything bad. And you're like, no, this is war. To get where they need to go, yes, Cassian might have to kill Jin's father. I'd argue that in the first three movies, we're not exactly clear why they're rebelling. Hmm. Like we, we, we know... So because everything is seen through the POV of Skywalker... Yeah. And... Skywalker is a character that's trying to access this mystical, amazing, universe-binding power. The movie almost serves, the Empire, should I say, almost serves as just a sort of plot device for him to become who he's going to be. That's yeah. kind of what the movie's about. These are the bad guys. Like, these like, are the bad guys. He has to overcome them. And in order to do this, he has to fulfill the destiny that his father couldn't and reconnect with him. I think the interesting thing in Star Wars as sort of told here in Rogue One and other situations and other stories that you read is understanding that's why the prequels are important, just how we got there and just what the stakes were. And this movie did that better than anything else. I also remember there was a lot of chatter because I was on the Reddits woo, about the vision of Darth Vader that we were supposed to have seen in the scene that he was going to come in uh, like make his debut in in this movie, and like all of the controversy that was hap- that was happening at Disney because apparently the first time he was the 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 way that it was written Darth Vader or the way that it was shot initially Darth Vader was supposed to come in and cut people's arms off and rip people in half with the force, which totally makes sense in this movie and to me totally would have like uh it's almost like what they did in Obi Wan right like when when he's snapping people's necks and doing all of that stuff that's the scary bastard. That's the scary son of a bitch that I wanted to see. And that made me uh, run out to see the movie because I wanted to see how much of that energy they were going to keep in the film. I mean, also, 
the thing rewatching this film that I loved about it, like I love this movie so much now, is that Rogue One is so tactile. You feel it way more. I think what happens in the Star Wars universe is that we take the language for granted. We've seen Tatooine so much. We've seen all these places. So sometimes in various shows, I think they lean on that so it doesn't feel as real. Whereas in Rogue One, everything you see on screen feels like it has been thought of. Like, I, even the director was saying, like, the actual plans that Princess Leia puts into R2 they didn't have a design for that. They just had like the Blu-ray version of like what it looked like. And he's like, all right, I have to think about what this little disc is going to look like. That's how much love and care is in this movie where you're just like, oh, this is kind of what I wish all Star Wars could get back to in terms of like making me feel like I'm in this universe. Steve, on your rewatch, what did you see? I think the biggest thing that I saw is, it's kind of, it was kind of the thing that I've always kind of wanted or challenge Star Wars to do and make it about people. I really, really love, especially now that we're going to be coming up to the show itself. Like, I really did love the idea of Cassian. The idea that this guy was like this rebel spy operator that isn't exactly on the level, that he's been in a fight for this since he was a kid, and that he's cared about something like this. Not exactly hell-bent on revenge, but driven by purpose since the moment that we meet him and all of these other like smaller political fi- figures like the Donnie Yen character, Riz Ahmed's character, the pilot, all of these people are the small little people that don't get any shine in the Star Wars universe that are really trying to just like make it above water under the crushing boots of the Empire. And that's really what I've stuck to this entire time. And not to say that, like, I never needed to see Grand Moff Tarkin or I never needed to see Darth Vader in this movie, but it could have easily just been that and I would have been very satisfied. Are any of you chauvinists <laughs> going to talk about Jyn Erso in the movie at all? I mean, like, it's been... We've been doing the podcast on you to get Cassian Andor. Are any of you... I mean, we can haters? talk about Jyn Erso oh, right, right now. We're going to bring up... No, no. You got your chance. I, I honestly, have to be prompted. If I'm going to be real, I think the problem with Jin in this movie is similar to like Luke in A New Hope, where it's like because Jin is our POV character, it's like she is finally inside of this rebellion after years of being raised by Saw, being abandoned by him, thinking only of herself. So her job is ve- really, Jin's job in the movie narratively is very thankless, where it's like, she's absorbing all of this where someone like Cassian, it's like, oh no, he gets to be the Han Solo type. He gets to be the person who's like, not totally good, not totally bad gray. So when I was rewatching this, I'm like, oh, no wonder they made it about Andor, the Disney Plus show, is because you want to see how someone becomes almost that ruthless because he lies to Jin. He's like, he's going out there to kill her father. And you're just like, dog, how did you get so fucked up? And not to say that Jin is like a wet blanket of a character oh, or anything. It's more, it's more of a like she's essentially an audience surrogate while yeah. also having a very heavy stake in this story because her father is literally the engineer of the Death Star. So like it, she has to kind of like toe that line of like understanding exactly what's going on and kind of introducing us into this world while also still being highly invested 
in everything that needs to go on. And it's a tough line to walk, but like all of the characters that surround her and kind of build her up to make her rise to that occasion, we tend to be to glom onto a little bit more. Can I also just say it is wild to be the child of the person <laughs> who creates the death? I was like, but, but, God but, damn. but see, to me, I want to like get Jomi in here and I'll like, I, but J- Jomi, your thoughts on the rewatching, you know, the Jin, the Jin Urso erasure discourse that's going <laughs> oh on. Oh, my right now. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, all, all of you guys. We love Jin Urso. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> okay, okay. But, but, Joby, your thoughts? I can say my Jin Urso thoughts for the back half, but to. <laughs> oh. We'll, listen, we'll, we will get to this. Is Haley Steinfeld? Oh, relax. Uh, oh, no one's touching her. It's fine. Relax. <laughs> To, to mirror Steve's point, you know, seeing the rebels, you know, Bodhi and, and um, you know, Chirrut and uh, Baze, all that stuff. For me, that's interesting as well. That's very interesting as well. But it was seeing the bureaucracy of the Empire, right? Because, like, a big chunk of the movie is Krennic. Krennic! And Grand Moff Tarkin going back and forth about, like, who's getting credit for the Death Star. Yeah. You know, and it doesn't like just hearing that doesn't sound interesting. But in the film, you follow Krennic. He's talking like, "Hey, man, we're gonna you know show my achievement." He's like, "You're this is this is me." Yeah. He goes to Darth Vader. He's like, basically like, "I'm getting credit for this, right?" Like they gonna they gonna know this was me, right? And it's just like it's it's way more interesting than you, than you could ever think. And I mean, part of that is you know Ben Mendelsohn in his in his in his bag, and you know even though Darth or Moff Tarkin is a cartoon character, basically. Um, it still it still works. Wait, can we talk about that real quick? Every single I forgot that Tarkin was in this so much and on my rewatch, I was just like, okay, I remember this looking way better when I was in the theater. It, I, but I it, didn't look good in the it, theater. It, to me, it, I went back and forth because like in like some moments, I'm like, wow, that looks really good. When, when he's, he's like not, standing still. When he's still and, he's like, and not talking, you're like, oh, that's Tarkin. Yeah. And then when he starts talking a little too much, you're like, ooh, this is a video game. Because I yeah. thought it was going to be one scene. I thought it would be like, oh, okay, yeah. like he's just going to be like, ah, and there and there we go. Leia he's he's like five scenes. Leia looked perfect. Tarkin was here and miss. Let me go well, back to here's the thing with, But here's the thing with the Leia thing. She was there for like, what? Not even five 10 seconds. seconds. Know, but she but, looked perfect. But, but she looked perfect. She looked perfect. So let me come back to the Generoso theme. Jen Erso's character actually gave me hope for a different direction in Star Wars because mm. she's she's the anti-Luke. She's like, yes. she's she's the anti-Luke as far as the character's concerned. She was the one that had a strong connection to her family that was ripped away and has to sort of re-enroll and re and and she wasn't trying to save anyone. She wasn't trying to save. She had no grand future. She had no promise. She had no destiny. She had to reinvest into something that her her her, her father didn't want, right? And and go in there and like fulfill. She was like motivated by something other than who she was going to become. And Star Wars is anchored by hope, right? And I said that before. And so because Star Wars is so anchored by hope. Sometimes people are looking at these, like Luke is looking off into the sky, into these grand things. She begrudgingly comes back into this. She's forced to kind of do all of this stuff. And she's a way more realistic hero in that way. Like, you don't join the army because you want to save the world. You join the army so you can go to college. You know what I mean? You join the army. Like, very few people have this deep, deep, deep sense. And I'm not saying that we don't have amazing soldiers that have a sense of duty and honor. Plenty of people do. I know people personally, but there are real-world reasons why people choose to do the things that they do. And 
it made it more intimate and in a way more relatable. Like I related to her and literally I thought, okay, this is going to be the way we're going to go like in the future. This is going to be what what it is that we do, right? And obviously we had seen that they shot away from it a little bit with kind of Ray being a Luke sequel, right? Um, But they still struggle with it. They still struggle with uh, why characters do what it is that they do in Star Wars. It's not an easy thing to do. So I I actually enjoy her character so much because other than Han Solo, who once again came around really quickly, for Han Solo to live his entire life as a smuggler, all he had to do was get a little taste of, yo, I, I I love the Force, and somebody bat their eyes at him, and he goes, "I give my life." <laughs> I mean, it was a Princess Leia. <laughs> so, you know what like, I mean? So what I was is, very, very, very scared. He said, "All Han Solo needs to do is get a taste," and I'm like, "Where is he going?" <laughs> <laughs> Wait, can I go one step further? What you say? Sure. What I think actually, Rogue One and Last Jedi did during that time period that I wish Star Wars would have gotten back to is this idea of. So much of Star Wars is focused on one family, these special people. It takes it takes this ragtag group to save the galaxy. I'm like, no, there are a bunch of people who have the power, who have the the will and the courage to save the galaxy. And with Rogue One and Last Jedi, both those stories are very much about like there are so many people who believe in the Force. Just because you can't push an object doesn't mean, like, we see it with Chirrut. Like, he believes in this thing that's bigger than him. He's just as instrumental as Luke, but we never get to see those people. And that's what I think a lot of Ryan Johnson's film was about, where it's like, the Force is bigger than just this family, just the Jedi. And that's why I like the Guardians of the Wills in this, because you see how much they haven't forgotten. Their temple has fallen. They don't technically have a physical thing to protect anymore but they do have a spirit of this rebellion, of hope, of the Force. And I wish we got more of that instead of it being like, all right, well, you know, Rey is related to this person and she's going to go save the galaxy because she's destined to. So, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm a Skywalker stan. Mm. I'll be honest with you. I like the Skywalker. We've had they really, they really do need the help. They I like, really do. I'm a, I'm a Skywalker stan, man. I I think that... <laughs> I think that the the... the Star Wars is inextricably linked to the family because the family is like telling the story of the Force. If you read enough, uh, if you read enough Star Wars, if you watch enough Star Wars, then you realize that the Force is a living thing, and it wants to have a say in the universe. And the only way that it can, without manipulating things by itself, is to use human beings in order to represent itself. That is really, to me, the central struggle. The central struggle in all of this stuff is how the will of the Force will play out. Like, the real reason why the Empire fails to me is not because of the Rebels. It's because of the Sith. It's because the way the Sith run run their shit is, I'm a, like, I'm a Sith, like, like a, a Sith Lord, right? Mm-hmm. My apprentice is meant to supplant me, right? I know this. In the back of my mind, I know my apprentice supplants me, right? So, I give them a lot of power, they take over, then they get an apprentice. If you really look at the way the Empire ran things, that's the way that they did it. There was no sense of honor or duty or anything greater to fight for for the Empire. It was really just a bunch of people. When you talk about uh, uh, Krennic and Tarkin, it was a bunch of people backbiting each other and like trying to fuck over each other 
till they get to the top. And that was going to crumble from the inside anyway. And that is a reflection and a manifestation of the dark side of the Force, the way it's used by the Sith. So the real story of Star Wars is the story of the Force and how it plays itself out and which use of the Force will bring a more harmonious galaxy. And that, to me, you have to have somebody to be the avatar for the Force. And that's why the Skywalkers have always been that, because they are born of the Force. The reason why this story works is because that doesn't mean that every story has to be about them. It doesn't mean that every story has to be about them. It means that you can make a story that like sees all of that, right? This is a, this is still uh, 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 this is still something to where even the force itself, the force is still working <clears throat> in this story without you having to beat it in our heads how mysterious it is, without giving us more lore with the Metaclorians. And that's the only problem I had with the Last Jedi is it was preaching... I'm going to be honest with you. I love The Last Jedi, but the problem I had with it is like, it was preaching that everybody can use the Force and everybody can be a part of the Force, but we already knew that. No, we didn't. Though. Yes, we did. No, we didn't. I mean, like we, like, hammering we, like, home that sentiment isn't a bad thing, though. It, it, like, but to, it, to, it, it kind of didn't need to be done. It, to me, it has to be done because I don't think that... And I think the problem that Star Wars is having right now is that when it's not about the Skywalkers, I feel like we get into an area where it's like undercooked and underbaked where I'm just like, guys, like Star Wars is vast. We can tell all of these stories. We can't just keep basically retelling the same one because what what was really the problem of the sequel trilogy? It followed the same beats of what came before. And I'm like, we can, stories don't, life doesn't work like that. The, pro- the problem of the sequel trilogy to me wasn't the heroes, it was the villains. So... Like you can do another story about somebody understanding their place in the universe, and it can be it can be inspirational all over again. But you can't recycle the empire; they already lost. Like I- I'm serious. If that if that sequel trilogy would have been about the Yuuzhan Vong, or about anybody, like you know, I'm sorry that you guys I go back to legends, but but <laughs> if that if that series would have been about the Yuuzhan Vong or something, you might give something. But really, like we're fighting stormtroopers again. Like, they they literally had to destroy the new republic. Like, we had to watch a whole planetary system get destroyed to reinvest into the same thing that... But we got that three times. We got that in the prequel, we got that in the original, and then we got it in the... The prequel is not about that. The, the prequel is a deeply and intense political series of movies about how, really, and we've talked about this, fucking Palpatine worked Yoda worked Mace Windu, worked all of these guys, and had them fighting for him the entire time. That's all about politics. That's why people didn't like it. People didn't like, <laughs> like, like people didn't like it. I mean, I, I mean, it's also not real. great. You can't, you can't deny this. <laughs> Making a kid's movie about trade routes is tough. It's tough. I think it became, I think Star Wars, I think Rogue One, back to Rogue One, I think Rogue One shows you that Star Wars can be bored of the kid's movie. I think that's what people are, people are wrestling with. Can you give me something in this? And that's the question that Andor will have to answer. Can you give me something that's not for kids, that's accessible to kids, but it's not for kids? Those are two different things. Being kid accessible and being for children is two different things. But don't you think that that is the, that is the big problem that's always with Star Wars, where it's just like you have a generation of people who grew up with the original who are just like, we want Rogue One. We want the adult movie. And then you have Disney being like, oh, our, well, these kids got to fucking buy these lightsabers. Like, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, but the reality is 
we're doing that with everything, right? <laughs> like there's a there's a scene in uh in Ultron where Black Widow is talking to Hulk about the fact that she can't have kids. What are the 12-year-olds doing then? <laughs> This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, let's talk about Cassie and Andor real quick. Had you guys ever seen the Star Wars character like Cassie and Andor before Rogue One? Yes. Okay. Who? The only black dude in Star Wars. Lando Calrissian? Yeah. Not in terms of, no, in more in terms of morals. In terms of like Lando, when we meet him, like he fucks them over. In terms of just like someone who is like very self-serving. I'm not saying it's a total one-to-one, but I do think that like finding someone to put in your movie who's so morally gray who it's like Lando eventually does come over to the good side just mm-hmm. like um just like Andor but there's a little bit in the movie where I'm like dog you are a bastard well I don't think mm. it's any it's self-serving I think it's like the opposite is yeah. you know I would call he's him quite kind of righteous a, in a yeah, way yeah he's a dick but like for the right reasons righteous he kills he kills one of his informants yeah war, because baby. you can't you can't snitch we can't we can't get you uh, get that's, caught is that not a war crime Probably, probably, I mean, but I mean, it's, it's. I'm not. I, I'm here's the thing. I'm, it's for the mission. I, I'm saying I get it, but like, dog, like this man is like, dog. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of here. And then he breaks his arm. He's like, yo, bro, I can't get. He's like, it just leaves. Okay, I have to. I have to say something. Candy, Cassian, Andor is almost nothing like Landau Collins. I don't see it. Yeah, I don't see it. What are you talking? He's not concerned with money. That's for sure. But who is? At the end of the day, who is Lando out for before he changes? He's out for himself. Cassian just doesn't strike me as a guy who's entirely out for himself. He's, he's about not the out mission. For he's out no. for the cause. Yeah. Well, you think he wa- like he's not out for himself at all? Maybe that's what this show will show us. Maybe like he can go from selfish to selfless. Actually, you guys yeah. are right. Can I tell you what the actual best part of Rogue One is? Mm. What two characters, Chirrut and K two? They're my guys. Yes. K two is. Pro, like K2 quickly has climbed my top five droids of all time. He might be a top three droid. He's in five for sure. I don't know about three. Uh, R2, R2, is, R2 is number one. Sure. I would say after that, oh, I don't want to put C3PO number two. No, you can't. You can't. Chopper? Chop. Big chop. Big chop. Wait, no, BB8 two. BB8 three. Yeah. I don't see that. And then part. I think K2 would be my number four. Okay. Shout out. And then who's number five? C3PO. Okay. I put 3PO higher because you guys hate on him, but Chopper's got to be above BB-8. Yeah, it's, it's it's not even close. Here's oh, the thing, oh. though. Chopper is in Rogue One. If you got an eagle eye, he's on the base in Yavin 4, which means Hera is also somewhere on Wait, that base. I, how, do, how does that make sense if, like, the whole fucking base gets destroyed? He'll find you figure it Actually, out. Actually, I like watch Rogue One, so I know he's going to figure out a way yeah. to get off this. The other thing I wanted, I think, was super cool about this is like, this is the first 
movie where we really get to get into like how does the Death Star work? Like we know we you read about the kyber crystals and all of these things, but actually seeing what it takes to mine them, seeing how they are quite literally to power. Like if you think about metaphorically what it's doing to power the Death Star, you are taking something that's sacred, kyber crystals, the Jedi, something that was meant to be a protective force in the universe. And then the Sith are basically degrading it and transforming it into something that is so devilish and is so evil. And you can read about that, but to see it happening, to see it happening where you see this monument of a stone Jedi destroyed is so fucking cool. Like, there's just so much to love about that. Also, just a perversion of people, right? How Palpatine's version of the order in the universe, order in the galaxy, just perverts people. Galen also is obsessed with understanding the power sources of the kyber crystals, right? Yeah. Not for any nefarious reason, just because he's a scientist and he's uh, naturally inquisitive and he wants to do all these things. The Empire can feel it. They can see it. They turn him into a slave and a killing machine. What ha- what ha- what happened to Galen Erso is not that much different than what happened to Darth Vader. Ooh, speak on it. Darth Vader's talent was seen as a weapon. And there's that that shows you the way, you know, you run a, a society or a galaxy, whatever. Either your talent is seen as something that can benefit people, and I'm not sure that Palpatine didn't see what he was doing as a benefit. He seems very dedicated to 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 his version of the uh, of of the galaxy, but you can either say, hey, capitalization is a thing to where you see someone, a young kid, and you go, ah, oh, we're going to turn them into the best thing that they can be. So let's give them all the best books, the best schools, the best everything, the best situation, and let them go figure out how they're going to serve the world. There's a different way to run a society where you look at someone and you say, I'm going to make this person's talent a means to my end. And we've seen the Empire do that. That is what they do. They did it. Palpatine was very, very dedicated to doing that with Anakin Skywalker, no matter who got in his way, right? Yeah. And at the, in the same way, they did it to Galen Erso. Galen Erso was someone, no one knew more about kyber crystals than him, and they turned him into the weapon. He is actually, in a way, a bigger weapon than the Death Star is because they have to have him to make this planet-killing machine. And it kind of showed, once again, it shows you like, and Rogue One really does this, this drab, dour view of existence in this galaxy that had, to me, never really been fulfilled by Star Wars. We see people getting all fucked up, right? We see, but like, we never saw just how shitty the decisions that people had to make in their daily lives in order to survive. I mean, also what you see in Rogue One is this idea of like, sacrifice is ugly. When we see all of the team die, they're not dying in these glorious ways. They're, it's horrible. It's Stuff. horrible. You're like, even though Stuff. they've contributed to saving the galaxy, there is almost a sadness where like Andor and Jin have to have the hope that the plans got away. And we see how close it is that the plans don't. Like all of it could be for naught. So it's like very interesting to see this world where it's like in the original trilogy because it's more of a kids film and that's nothing against it. it you just you don't get that level of emotion. It's really really incredible to just say on paper that this is a Star Wars movie where all of our heroes die at the end. Yeah. Like that like that is an incredible thing 
to have done. Like, that was probably the first thing that I was like, oh, Star Wars actually really went out on a limb with this one. I was reading that they wrote a scene where everybody lived, but they never filmed it because they were just basically like, we don't even want Disney to see a version of this film where they all live because that's probably going to be the one they want to go with. And I actually think Rogue One would be a way worse movie if our heroes don't die. Right. Because you actually get to see the weight of like, oh, for for Leia to get these plans out there, it means something. For Vader to be hunting for these plans in A New Hope. My brother's, uh, my my cousin Raraz a Marine and one time we were sitting down playing video games. He was telling me about how upset he was that he he didn't get he hurt his knee before it was time to um time for him to go to Iraq. And you know, having been a Marine and had been training for that, like he he was talking about the fact that like he uh, he felt like a failure because he couldn't go help. You know what I mean? Um, and I was asking him, I'm like, when you're out there, like, how does it go? Like, you know, what's the deal? He goes, well, the number one thing is mission accomplishment. Number two thing is bringing your brothers back with you. I was like, wow. I thought it was almost like, and excuse me if I'm getting this wrong to any of, of our of our service members out there, but I'm like, I thought it was never leave any man behind. He was like, don't leave any man behind if you can. But the first thing that's on our mind as Marines is mission accomplishment. Like, the most important thing is to do whatever we are told to do whatever the objective is there. Nothing comes before that. Not your life, not my life, not anyone's life. If we're there to extract somebody, get them extracted. If we're there to destroy this target, get the target destroyed. Whatever happens after that, happens after that. That is reflected in this movie. They can't care about whether or not they survive. They can't care whether or not the fucking plane... What if they get there and it's a 404 error on the disc. It's like, right, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, they, like they can't care about that. They just have to do what the fuck they were told and hope. That's the hope in this movie. Yeah. The hope is what you sacrifice for will mean something. Mm-hmm. It's a different kind of hope than what we've seen before. And it's, it's perfectly illustrated in that, like, last 10-minute stretch on the beach where, like, every single person before they perish has that moment where, like, they pull it out for the team to, like, pass off the, the ball to the next person to make sure that yeah. those plans get off. Like, the pilot dies to make sure that the radio tower's working. Yep. Uh, Chirrut and uh, Bays make sure that the power's connected. They perish. Uh, Cassian and... Uh, Cassian makes sure that the uploads... Do, like, everybody, every single person is contributing before they absolutely fulfill their purpose to make sure that this one thing happens. And you know what that changes? It changes a tenet of Star Wars. Who destroyed the Death Star? Luke. No, the Rebellion did. Well, we we think I, I, of it I, I, as but but, yes. but but that's what I mean. Like Luke Skywalker did not destroy the Death Star. The rebellion destroyed the Death Star. Yes. Yeah. And that and 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 that to me is such an important thing. Luke Skywalker didn't save the galaxy. The rebellion saved the galaxy. You know what I mean? It took so many. They say that she says that. Mom Martha says that, but we just brush it off. She goes, a lot of people died to get these plans. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, cool. Like, yeah. And we're like, all right, well, Luke's the only one that can do it. But no, a lot of people had to do a mm-hmm. lot of things. Yeah. And I think that's the promise of the Star Wars world and what I'm hoping for for Andor is that they can show us just uh, how Herculean a task it was for all of these things that seemed like the destiny of our favorite characters to do. 
were. I mean, we know that it doesn't happen if Han's not the dopest pilot in the galaxy, if Leia's not the best leader and the most savvy politician, and if Luke isn't, his birthright isn't to do what it does. But, like, a lot of people had to go through a lot of shit to fucking make all of this stuff happen, But man. I will say, like, kind of my last point is, like, to your Marine point, the thing that I think is beautiful and why Jin is such an important character is, like, Jin, the moment where Jin and Cassian are having an argument because she fi- finds out that Cassian was supposed to kill her father. Those were the orders. And Cassian's like, but I didn't, though. I didn't pull the trigger. And that's so, because to your point, it's all about mission accomplishment. And what does it take for someone like Cassian to be like, I have to turn the switch off. I cannot kill this man. And then for them to go back to the base and nobody wants to follow this plan. It's up to Cassian to kind of break that coding that he's been built in where it's like mission, mission, mission. Where he's like, actually, the true mission is this. Right. Actually, this is what we should be fighting for. Because if you think about it, without that ragtag group, without the Rogue One, we don't get any of this because all of them were basically like, we don't want war. We don't want this. Go to your rooms. Fuck this. Right. And that, it was actually a beautiful moment where I was like, oh, this wasn't some big concerted effort. This was a couple of people with heart saving the galaxy. I got one question. Mm. I know, you know, there is a lightsaber in the movie and it comes from Vader, right? And that is... Even though Vader got busy in Obi-Wan, that's still the most badass version of Vader. Like, I was scared. I love that. I love this moment. Thinking back to when I first saw that, I think that, like, not as far as, like, a raw... Maybe your mileage may vary as far as the theater's reaction there, but, like, personally, I think that tops, like, Cap getting the hammer. I think that tops. Oh, okay, well, that's, that's crack cocaine. Like, yeah, I think, like, I think it, it might. What kind of schedule yeah. two drugs are you on? Yeah, right like, now? come on. Well, let Steve have it. As far as, as, far as like, shock value of like, of like a, like. No, it's not. It's not. No. <laughs> I will say. I'm not, though, talking, I'm not talking about like, oh my God, this is amazing, but it's more of a, about like a, like a fantasy or a, like, understanding of a character realized. Okay. What that, we have to do is put this on the internet. Okay. Because this Great. is this is one of those you're this not winning this team. This is a Twitter take. Sure. This is a Twitter take. I like this. No, I don't. But <laughs> you don't, but <laughs> you want you want the discourse. No, no you don't make your case. I'm sorry I interrupted. Well, I, I I think I just think it was personally more stunning for me to, to see, see something. Darth Vader kill people, something that he's done before <laughs> that way? But like also that? To, to, to Steve's point, I don't agree, but to Steve's point, we also forget <laughs> that. This is the first movie that is that's released that is not part of the main the main kind of like trilogies. Okay, right? yeah. So when you see this and you see Darth Vader realized like that, I think it did give a lot of people hope. We're like, oh my gosh, these movies, like, yes, we're about to get so much and it's the, we didn't. It, it, it's that. It's like it's the it's the Vader that you read about in the books. It's the yeah. it's the thing that you imagine when you're playing with an action figure as a kid. It's not that he wasn't poorly realized in other movies it's that like this is like that he he was the shark in Jaws he was the Terminator he was everything that you probably figured that Darth Vader already was and it was this side of him that you got to see that's what I'm talking about well I don't I don't agree that it's better than Capstone <laughs> Hammer like it's that, that's nuts but I think for me and I would you know would like to you know hear everybody else's thoughts but I think it's I mean, it's probably my number one Star Wars moment. I don't think there number is... One disagree star- disagree oh, there. Right. Number what one is, we Star Wars. So let me ask you a question then. 
is seeing him, and I know you guys better keep it all the way real, is seeing Darth Vader cut through those guys Poor bastards, man. Tough. Let's put one in the air for them. <laughs> Tough scene. They, they Not a really, goddamn thing they could have done. Yeah, nothing, God, like, God. That was like a horror movie scene. Is that better than seeing Yoda work his lightsaber at the end of Attack of the Clones? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's easily. Easy. Come on. They, I don't agree. They, come on, bro. I'll be honest. Come on, bro. I think, bro. You, you think Yoda getting busy was bro, better I think, than... I think no Yoda, shot. I think, no bro, shot. Bro, I think... I don't agree, bro. I really think Yoda grabbing the lightsaber at the end of... Uh, Attack of the Clones Nuts. and getting busy tops that uh, you guys were babies first of all I saw movie, it and I thought it was cool you guys were babies I'm going to be honest with you you guys were babies when that when Attack of the Clones came out in the theaters I saw both of these in the theaters <laughs> I saw the fucking reaction to Yoda like uh, like fighting Dooku and Darth Vader it I wasn't even I this shit same. from Blockbuster this is how much I love that movie I saw it in theaters thought it was the best movie of all time it did not age well you're Wiley. Attack of the Clones did not age well. It's maybe not a, it's not a good movie. Maybe because, um, maybe because it was. I think Rogue One is probably the second Star Wars movie I've seen in theaters. But the second? Well, yeah. Um, the what's what's the one? The Skywalker. Oh, the, I can't have this conversation with y'all. I was, Wait, that's well, how, how is this? That's not even a disc. Well, because I, again, I was born in 1996, yeah. so in 2005 when when. The last uh, prequel yeah, movie I came out. Nah, I, I was nine years I was, old. I was out for the theater re-release of the original trilogy, yeah, and they did the special edition once again. I didn't see all a that. baby? Were you eight? I was. Nine? Yeah, I was eight. Uh, first did of all, I mean, I, not I, only I, did I see all the prequels in theaters, but my grandparents had the fucking commemorative fucking Phantom nah, Menace. Know, right, this is the movie theater going Olympics here. Like, I'm not trying to minimize, but I'm just saying, in my opinion, I'm not trying to minimize you guys' opinion. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna be real, Van. But. You gotta stop with this prequel shit. Like I know you like the prequels so much, but come on, man. There's, it's not there's about liking no, no, no. the prequels. It's about the fact that the prequels hold a very important place in terms of Star Wars lore, and that's yes, real. narratively, but qu- like quality of movie. Okay, so quality of movie. Phantom Menace is a C movie. Attack of the Clones is is it is a D it, is a D yes yeah. okay, and then. Revenge of the Sith is an A. Oh, it's like a B. It's like a Revenge of the Sith. I wouldn't say an A. Let's Revenge of the Sith is an A. It's a B. Revenge of the Sith is a legitimately great Star Wars. Okay, cool. I think it's a great. I think it's a. I don't know if it's a great Star Wars movie. I'm gonna keep it. I'm gonna keep it real with y'all. Y'all don't love Star Wars. I'm serious, bro. Like, Re- Revenge of the Sith is an A. It's not an A+. Plus. An A movie? It's an A Star Wars movie. Okay, but a, you, you qualified as an A Star Wars movie. Yeah. Which I, you know, like, as a like as a film, take away the Star Wars movie, like, as a film, it's a, some yeah. of the things... Eh, I mean, mean, as a, a lot of these movies aren't perfect, bro, but, like, but, as, as a film, I, I it's a good movie. Come I don't on, disagree with you. I don't yeah. disagree with you. I think it's a, It's honestly like, I wouldn't say underrated because people really love that movie. But like when I go back and I'm like, hey, I want to watch a Star Wars movie, I go Revenge of the Sith. Word up. I mean, look, I, I watch it all the time. We Y'all, y'all know this. Let me tell y'all <laughs> something real quick. First of all, fuck y'all. But let me tell y'all something real quick. I'm saying we had never seen Yoda with a lightsaber in his hand before. That's cool. Ever. Ever, bro. We had never, we had no idea what Yoda looked like with a lightsaber in his hand. We had it, we we hadn't seen Vader like true? we saw him in Rogue One. I'm not gonna lie about that. But we had never, ever, ever seen Yoda nope. in a Can lightsaber. Can I ask you this? What? How has it aged? 
It's fantastic. I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's fine. Yoda looks, he uses the force to summon his saber to him and says to himself, <laughs> like, if you're so, like, well, like, like, you want to get busy? Dooku? Nah, it's, nah, it's not really, it's not, see, here's the thing, right? You get to that scene All right. and it's, pit, you see the guys, they're like running, da, 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 lights go down, right? And they're like, hey man, something's coming. Looking around, everybody's nervous. Boom. The red. That's 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 cinema. That's special. Let's stop. Let's stop the cap. That's special. No, no, Steve, don't play it. Don't play. Don't play that. Don't play that. Don't play that. Steve, Steve, don't play it. There is not a moment. Play it. There is not a moment across Star Wars as as a whole. That's cap. That is. You you tell me that in the in, in any Star Wars situation or show ever, the greatest moment of Star Wars ever. Is Vader at the end of Rogue One? You got too much dip on your wait, chip. Be, nah. Wait, better than the Obi Wan Anakin fight. That see, look, that moment is is special. I I probably put that at, at number two. At right? number, nah, bro. Nah, listen, listen, listen. Wait, wait, the fight listen. between Vader and Luke in Empire Strikes Back. Listen, listen, listen. Really, listen. listen. I can't talk about this. Just thing. I like Empire. Bro. I love Empire Strikes Back. It's probably my favorite uh, Star Wars Star Wars movie. But I, I don't know, man. There's the, I guess maybe it's maybe because I wasn't I wasn't outside like that. You know, I saw it like you know I was fourteen. On, or whatever. First time you saw it was on USA. It was four hours. Four, of commercials. I was watching. Yeah, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, but I'm telling you, like no, like the, even even the fight with Qui Gon and 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 um, Obi Wan and the and duel of fates. The duel of fates. Better. What about it? Special. I'll put that in my top three. Uh, as well, but that's a better moment than I don't see. Mm, that's a see way better man. moment, Jomi. What are you again, talking again, about? Again, again, maybe if I sit like I was young, saw in the theaters, but like, man, this is special, bro. I'm telling you, the moment he unsheaves that, I was like, am I about to see some crazy stuff happen? And then the next, you know, however long that scene is, I was like, oh, oh, sh- oh, oh my god! Like I, I was, I, I've never, at least personally for me, I have never been more locked in. Ray and in Kylo in the throne room is better than the fucking. Okay, end see now that's nah, that's don't, nice. don't don't do that, don't do that. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son? They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for up to 45% off. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Where does Rose? one rank in Star Wars movies for you guys? Is it a top five Star Wars movie? Top five? Yes. Yeah. Okay, so give me a top five. Empire Strikes Back, number one. Uh, Probably going to go with The Last Jedi, number two. A New Hope, number three. Yeah, then I'm probably going to go Rogue One, number four. Okay, so I'm going to go Empire, uh, Revenge of the Sith. (laughs) 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 That's tough (laughs) Number three is Ewoks On the Force Movie (laughs) Television movie (laughs) I'm just joking (laughs) By the way That shit's not that bad It looks terrible If you watch it now So I'm gonna be honest with you I'm I'm serious about Revenge of the Sith At number two though Okay I'm sure I'm sure So it's uh, Empire It's Revenge of the Sith It's uh, Return of the Jedi It's A New Hope uh, And then it's Rogue One 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I go Empire, Hope, Jedi, Last Jedi, and then Rogue One. I th- I think me and Steve got the same list. It's Empire. Jedi Star-Sky. is in Return of the Jedi first, and then yeah. Oh, Return of the Jedi. Yeah, yeah. Return oh, never mind. <laughs> okay, <laughs> never mind. Uh, I have um, Empire Strikes Back one, The New Hope two, yeah, The Last Jedi at three, and Solo at Solo at four. Or not Solo, sorry. Dude, I Rogue was about one, to say, bro. <laughs> Rogue one at four, and then Revenge of the Sith at five. I'm gonna be real. You guys are being cute by putting the Last Jedi in there. Stop. I love the Last Jedi. The I'm Last sorry. Jedi, I love Jedi the is Last great. Jedi. The Last Jedi is a way better film than Revenge of the Sith. I love the Last Jedi. Like you guys are being cute by putting the, the Last Jedi is a good movie. The, 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 I'm not. I don't. People hate the, the Last Jedi is a good movie. You guys are being a, it, your generation. Is, I'm, I'm serious. <laughs> your generation is being rebelliously cute by putting the Last Jedi as a top five Star Wars. I'm just being real. I can't take the opinion of someone who watches Revenge of the Sith more than once. Revenge of the it, Sith it, it, is like, a great it's, 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 movie. It's so fun. But that, just go spin it at the crib one time. I, I tried to spin it at the crib. You know what? I did How about, this? Turn How about this? How about this? Revenge of the Sith, rewatch tomorrow night at my place. <laughs> we don't need me. to because we can just, I could just say Van Gogh and then you'll give us the entire Mustafar battle line for line. <laughs> yeah, you know this. <laughs> what I'm telling you is that Revenge of the Sith is, to me, it's the culmination of the bad storytelling of the first two movies. It's really the only movie that sort of mattered in that entire thing. But I just don't understand how there's some there's some laughable parts. No, yeah. there's some laughable parts in the movie. There are good moments in this. That yes. movie works. From the beginning all the way to the end. That is a lie. Can no, that's please, not. That's, no, that's, please move that's on. true. Move on. That's true. I think I I I don't understand like why you're so hung up on like the the like the overall trilogy or the overall prequel trilogy as a whole. Like this guy his pitfalls, this guy his stumbles. But there is something in Revenge of the Sith that over like Van said over the last over the first two movies carries over to the third that like it starts off with the space battle. Like the the fight with uh, General Grievous, there are some moments in there. Anakin visiting the younglings, the the Order sixty six. That that movie matters, and I'm just telling you, love the Last Jedi, and I know that you guys want to be rebellious, and we're we, like, don't you know, be in Salvan here. Like, you know, don't be in Salvan You guys want to be rebellious. You want to be rebellious. Well, I, I, everybody Star Wars fans didn't like it, but it's actually great. Not really, man. I'm saying that. The Last Jedi, as good as the movie is, it also is indicative of the problem with modern Star Wars movie no. storytelling. Okay. Which it is what? Which is, is what? That is not true. Which, which, is which is the movie is a reaction to something more than it is a furthering of the story. That movie doesn't... So what, what I mean by that is that movie, there's this great video and the the and I want you guys to watch it. The video is is by this guy I can't remember, and it's about why the tri- the sequel trilogy is actually an anti Star Wars trilogy, and it shows. I'm telling you, it, and it, it I've, I've watched this a lot, and I think it's, it has some good points, and it shows why movies that are reactions to Star Wars rather than movies that are actually furthering the story and the ethos of Star Wars are detracting from the overall lore. 
I never considered it until this. The Last Jedi sets out to tell you guys something different than what you've already had without building on any real, any real story. What happens in The Last Jedi that actually ends up mattering in the trilogy? I mean, well, when you bring in another director who is just like, we're bringing back Palpatine, I don't think that you can blame Ryan Johnson for like... I'm not blaming him. I'm not blaming, I'm not blaming him at all. I'm not blaming Ryan Johnson, but what I'm saying is that 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 particular movie is a good movie, but it was a pathway to really nowhere. Or, but uh, I mean, at the same time, though, you 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 make the argument that like it's the Last Jedi's reaction to you know anti Star Wars or whatever. I would argue that Rise of Skywalker is a more more extreme example. All three of the movies. All, all three of the movies get the movies get like progressively more reactionary as they came out. Yeah, even. Like, the first movie is a reaction to the prequel trilogy. The prequel trilogy, hey, that's not Star Wars. Political, all of these machinations and stuff like that, that's not Star Wars. This is Star Wars. Does it remake A New Hope? Yeah. The second movie is a reaction to the first one. Okay, well, let's do something new and different. Let's have Luke Skywalker, right? A guy who literally put his entire life on his line, and not just the li- his life, but the lives of the whole galaxy on the line for his friends more than any time ever. Let's have him take his lightsaber and throw it behind him into the water when the fate of the galaxy is on the line. It's just like, narratively, for the arc of Skywalker, and for all, it doesn't make very much sense in the story. I'm just saying that if you are going to blame the sequel trilogy as being the, the thing that ruined Star Wars, I'm like, no, there's always been a give and take with these movies. I've, I've called for the decanonization of the sequel trilogy. Yeah, <laughs> no. No. Wait, do you think... I'll put to you this way. What do you think is better, the prequel trilogy or the sequel trilogy? The prequel trilogy. This is what? I do. This is what? The prequel trilogy. The sequel two, trilogy... You can't have... The sequel, two of those movies are unwatchable. The, 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 the sequel trilogy has the single worst Star Wars movie ever made. The sequel trilogy has the single worst Star Wars movie ever made. We're here. We're here. Yeah. Yes, sir. Is the single worst Star Wars movie ever made. It's right, the worst well, thing I've on ever average, watched. On average, Force Awakens and The Last Jedi are far better movies than The Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Okay, so here's the deal. I'm not gonna. I'm actually not gonna disagree with that. The The Force Awakens, Phantom Menace has aged way better than The Force Awakens ages. The Force Awakens now, you, it, it was cool when we went to movies to see it, but the more we litigated that movie the less watchable Force Awakens is. Phantom Menace only gets better over time. That is... Can we okay. please move on? Let's move on. This is not let's, let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's slow down on One of these there. movies have Jar Jar Binks in it and the other don't. I so, mean, you're right. For, you don't like Jar Jar Binks <laughs> because he's portrayed as being black. And that's the thing. Shout out to I'm Our Best. You know what I mean? Jar Jar, Jar, Jar ended up... Jar Jar Sith. I mean, for me, it's... The Rise of Skywalker is the, the nadir, like, truly... And like I've been on the record saying this like a million times, but I'll say it again. Like it's it's one of the worst like things in fandom like we've ever we've ever seen. Legit legitimately all right. an awful. <laughs> it's a bad movie. No, 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 like, no. Let's let's be clear. It's a bad let's movie. Let's be very on, clear. Legitimately one of the I've the seen Fantastic Four and the Rise of the Silver Surfer. Like, we've ever no, that movie's no, not no. that bad. But that um, wasn't that was an accident. Like I would I would say like, that was an accident. Like, you know, those things happen. You make bad movies, da da da. This one was like per- catered. You I know, mean, it's bad. Yes, it's nah, bad. It's, they did this on purpose. It's right. nasty. <laughs> so, real quick, we didn't even give the chance to give the, the rankings. <laughs> By the way, what I was going to say earlier is, just real quick, let's say that Donnie Yen's character would have just, like, found a lightsaber that he was using. It. How dope would that have been? Dog, I was wa- I'm watching a movie last night. I'm like, 
Well, this guy, he, he's a Jedi, man. He's basically a Jedi. Well, basically, what really Jedi. Say that. Like, Wait, does he? All right, so he is close with the Force. He's in tune with the Force. Mm-hmm. But I'm always confused when I watch the movie. Like, what are the extent of his powers? It doesn't seem like he can use the Force in terms of, like, pushing anything, pulling anything. But he's in tune with it enough at the end of the movie to walk through a battlefield and not get shot. I, and th- you can argue whether or not he's, like, doing that with his mind or if he's, like, it's, like, an exercise of faith. Nah, he's, I consider he's, it more of, like, a Jedi intern that he's kind of in there where, like, maybe he's training, maybe he's just only, like, the maximum of his power is, like, the, like, the most weakest Jedi. So he's a good college basketball player but doesn't have what he He's not going to go pro. He's not Got going it. pro. I think and there, are, there are levels of Force sensitivity, sure. too, but also being attuned and in line with the Force is... I mean, there are people who aren't force sensitive who, who like, like I think Han Solo has a latent force sensitivity. There, yeah, you know what I mean. I think I think a lot of people that we think of as just being like super dope pilots, like like whatever, whatever. I think Han Solo has latent Listen, force sensitivity. Chira took a bowcaster and shot a Tie Fighter. Yeah, as a as a blind man. That's I'm that's that, I'm giving that that's guy the a force. lightsaber. No, he shoots you know it at the saying? perfect time and it crashes into the building. So yeah. that's yeah. special. All right, that's uh, special. midnight midnight meter ranking Rogue One. So, Midnight Meter Ranking, of course, for those unfamiliar with the Midnight Meter, is where we rank a film on a scale of 1 to 12. The normal rankings are 1 to 10. Anything above is reserved only for timeless, game-changing movies and shows. So, with that being said, you guys, what is your Midnight Meter Ranking for Rogue One? I'm going to give this a 10 on the Midnight Meter. I would give it, I would, I would, I'll give it a 10. I'll give it a 10. Okay, Steve? That's right. It's a 9. It's a 9. It's a nine on the midnight meter. Yes, interesting. I'm with Chuck. I give it a ten. The only reason is I, the only reason why it's not an eleven. To be honest with you, Darth Vader pun is because uh, 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 I'm comparing it to other Star Wars that are twelves and elevens. Sure. What are the twelves and elevens? Empire is the twelve. Empire is a twelve. Yeah. I think a New Hope. You're gonna is say Revenge of the Sith is eleven. It's not. You're Revenge gonna say Revenge of the Sith is eleven. 11. Revenge of the Sith is an 11. This is wild. (laughs) This is wild. (laughs) Revenge of the Sith is is wild. The first three are 11s. And the the first one is a 12. The two are 11s. um, And then, you know, you got 10s. Well, I don't care what you guys say. I I fuck with Revenge of the Sith. Crazy. It's great. On to Andor. The show comes out as a three-episode premiere on September 21st. The series follows thief-turned-rebel-spy Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, during the five years before the events of the film. How hype are we for the show? What about it seems the most compelling, guys? Well, you know, just we saw a good look at Star Wars Celebration when we went, and it it just, it looks spectacular. Like, you know, seeing the Empire at f- full power, seeing the the opposite of that with how, you know, some of the people are living in squalor and how just, you know, nasty and dirty and how they were, looked like they were scraping by. Nasty and dirty. Listen, it, I mean, you saw it. You saw it. They was living in dirt, man. You know? Han Solo got a taste. <laughs> it, it, it just, it looks special. And I can't, honestly, can't wait to tap it. We're, Van, Charles, we were in the office yesterday. Yo, Chris Ryan, Chris really, Ryan. he riding for Bro, this listen, shit, Chris man. Ryan put it's some Chris gas yeah. into this thing. He came out, he was like, seen the first episode? I- I'm quoting Chris Ryan directly. Tony Gilroy blacked out. This thing's incredible. Hey, Chris Ryan, just got all the, the members of the CR Army, your captain, 
Oh, Captain, my Captain is he loving, loving straight gas. So I'm hyped. I can't wait. I mean, I'm going to be real. Like, I do think that, like, Tony Gilroy is going to kill this shit. And I just need a show that I like. I think after Book of Boba Fett, I think Book of Boba Fett had such a cool um, idea behind it in terms of, like, showing this criminal underworld and all these things. And I think, you know, after watching that, you left with this feeling of, like, okay, we want this more this world to be more realized. We want it to be more authentic. And I think Tony Gilroy kind of has that in him to, like, create this underbelly of the galaxy to show us what it really means to be a rebel, what it really means to start a rebellion. And if they can... It looks beautiful. If they can land that, man, the rest of these Star Wars series got to tuck their summer in, bro. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> they gotta go back to the so, lab for real. Three okay. beats a day for five well, summers. Okay, uh, Steve co-signed everything that Charles said. I, I like. I think that the biggest thing that I would want to hope for is the exact same thing that brought us here for Rogue One. It's that compelling, grounded story of the people where I want this to be like uh, something that could illuminate a world like. The Last Airbender, where we get to see the people, we get to see places that we've never seen before, contexts of powers and political sentiment that we haven't talked about before. I think this is going to be great. I'm really, really excited. Cautiously optimistic. I'm hoping that it's great. I think that it will be. If really, it's not, can we invite Chris on the on the pod? <laughs> to, 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 look, we, we can. I think it will be. I believe in Chris Ryan. I believe in him. Right. So for me, uh, you know, the show always looked great, but more than looking great, it felt great. Mm. There's a feeling that you got when you saw the show and like seeing the, the whatever uh, footage that we got, the feeling, a lot of times you can look at something and you can, uh, I don't know. That was you at you don't, you don't feel it. Yeah. Like I don't feel it. Mm-hmm. You can look at, at Andor um, and then while my hopes are high and feel the texture of it, the, and a weight to it, a presence and a power, yeah. you know, and that's what you feel when you look at the Black Adam trailer. Ooh, I didn't want to bring it up. I don't want to bring it up. Right. But I do think the hierarchy of power in the Star Wars universe <laughs> oh is about to be changed by Tony Gill, right? <laughs> Can I ask you guys a question? What could Andor do that would make the show a failure to you? Like, what, like, how? About, well, I'm asking. In a most spectacular way? Yeah, or no, like, what, I'm, in what a- I'm saying is if the show doesn't do this, you'll feel like it's failed. I'm not even thinking, I can't, I can't. I'm not in this if, negative mind state. Well, I can't I mean, even think about it. If they don't, you know, if they don't carry, like, so we know the casting Andor from Rogue One, right? We know, you know, what it is, like, we know who that guy is. If Diego Luda shows up and we assume he's going to be somebody who's the complete opposite of where he's supposed to be, if that story doesn't hold water if it doesn't carry like it's supposed to if we're not invested in that character and the changes that he makes in his life or you know what happens to him that makes him the casting Andor in Rogue One if that falls flat then the show doesn't work another question will there be a lightsaber in Andor no yes I mean whose lightsaber would it be I don't I doesn't matter a lightsaber a lightsaber an ignited lightsaber it's gonna it's gonna be <laughs> it's gonna be uh, Kanan. It's gonna show up with the lightsaber. It's gonna be great. I love it. It's fantastic. Jesus, bro. Are we gonna see Order sixty six? Fucking <laughs> lose it if Kanan shows up <laughs> with a lightsaber, and, and and I will fucking lose it. 
man. Yeah. I fucking go nuts if that happens, bro. They're going to go to a little fall. It's going to be great. Yeah. Uh, so you're saying yes. I'm saying no. I don't think... I, no. I can't imagine who in that time, aside from Darth Vader... Would be out there. I mean, it's, it's my long-standing thing where they're like, there has yet to be a Star Wars. Se- there's yet to be a season of a show, a property, anything that has not had a lightsaber in it. You need with a Star lightsaber, Wars. but it's like you kind of need it. But like, uh, yeah, you, yeah. you do. It's kind of just been my challenge where I'm like, is this going to be the one? Are they? Are they just not going to do it? And they probably will. But I hope that they don't. Y'all know you want you like lightsabers. It's yeah. not that I don't like lightsabers. It's just I'm like, can you do it without one? Like, can you just try? But why would you though? It's it's not that. I'm just like like this is a thought experiment at this point. Yeah. Like, can there ever was be a Star Wars thing that doesn't have one? Who had a lightsaber in Boba Fett? Luke. Oh. Luke was in. Oh, he was. I yeah. It's like a whole two episode thing. Yeah. Think of that as a different show. Luke had the, also yeah. the dark saber. The dark saber. Dark saber. The dark saber counts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dark saber is not quite. A Jedi had the dark saber. Right? It's a it's a it's it's oh, a lightsaber. Doesn't matter because Luke, oh, Luke ignited his own Respect lightsaber. Respect the clan, man. Yeah, Luke, and actually they showed two lightsabers. Yeah. He was like, yeah, he was giving the lightsaber. Mm-hmm. The Yoda's lightsaber. Was That's in still there. bullshit. How does fucking Luke have it? I'm just saying, man. He, you know, he no lightsabers in Andor. Here we go. We're getting ready to talk about the House of the Dragon. You're listening to a reaction podcast. The spoilers are coming. I want to set the scene for y'all really quick. I'm in LA. I went to Van Lathan's beautiful, beautiful abode. And can I say we had the most awkward time watching the most recent House of the Dragon? It was interesting. It was probably the most awkward I've ever felt. <laughs> there, there's a <laughs> there's an image that I have of uh, Damien and Rhaenyra in that pleasure house, oh and God. I look around. We're all on living, our phones. Every single person is on their phones. <laughs> and Jumpy, Jumpy it's, started, it's not because we're bored. It's yeah. because none of us want to collectively <laughs> look at what's happening on screen. We're all on our phones, but Jomi was rubbing his nipples. Oh, stop! Oh, my God. When that happened. Oh, please. Can I say something that... I heard somebody go, uh... I'm like, what the fuck, Jones? What's going on? Can I say something that you have to promise to redact, Steven? (laughs) Uh, Deep Shadow? Yeah. Hello, Ringiverse fans. I regret to inform you that due to the initiation of Deep Shadow Protocol, this bit had to be edited out of the pod. I know. I'm just as disappointed as you are. Thanks as always for listening. And the Midnight Boys, pew pew, we'll get back to you shortly. I'm not doing this. <laughs> no. Absolutely not. <laughs> that see, I'm so glad that we that like that was just deep like we cut that. That was deep shadow. Because that is far and away the worst thing that Sometimes I've ever heard. Sometimes I think you just you life. just say this stuff so that you know that I'll cut it and then when I come back. <laughs> We're we're just mad. Just reject it. That's, it's right. You didn't answer the question, that's though. This is sick. A safe, that's this is a so safe nasty. Space. Come right. on. Okay. I th- I think what I want to ask is, Van. I remember you saying that that wasn't the most exciting episode of House of the Dragon that you've seen. Have you come around on it, liking it? No. No. Really? No, not really. It was good TV, man. That was, cool. was good TV, bro. It was cool. Aside for like the you know incest and the sexual it was, harassment, it was it was cool. It was cool. It just like. It was the weakest of the, all the episodes to be at this point. It was cool. It wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. But look, look, we remember Game of Thrones. They weren't all bangers. There were some where you were like, there were some where you were like, all right, man, like, are we going to get to the thing? Because like shows do this thing to where they start and 
this didn't happen with House of the Dragon, but they start you on this central plot train and then they can't get there fast enough so they go, okay, let's take an adventure with somebody out wandering the what countryside. Are, that was, all right, here's the thing. That wasn't one of them. I just said that wasn't one well, of them. Then what's your point? My point is that this episode to me was a little bit of a breather. It, it's, it laid some very, 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 very important plot groundwork. Very important plot groundwork when we see you know, for anybody that's red fire and blood, like you, it's some very important plot groundwork. But you know, took a little time off. It was like a you know, seeing Damon like get to the point where he has this these machinations that really make you think of the character in a different way. Because there's the evil part of him who is going to use his niece to get the throne, but also there's a part of him that does almost feel like it has some type of affection for her and no, realizing how how depraved you have to be to be like, I'm going to essentially sacrifice her on this pyre to get to the Iron Throne. I was just like, okay, I'm tapped in. But Mal and Joe like really illustrated pretty well like that, that you can see the conflict on Damien's face when like you can see him thinking about what he is doing yeah. and like the consequences of what might come of this because in this episode and episodes prior, there is genuine affection that he has for Rhaenyra. Like, he, they, like you they believe attracted him, to each other. But also as, but like also as a familial, like, like you believe that he's sorry for her at her mother's funeral. Like you believe that he's like, it looks trying now, now to, now everything looks different. Exactly. But I also, yeah. I think he has a respect for her in a way exactly. where he doesn't yeah. have for Viserys who is an idiot. I think he, there's a mutual kind of just like, oh no, we're the only two in this family who like, can play this chess match. I it, right. it's almost like a loving relationship, and also like this is my opponent. Right. There's oh, a, there's well. a lot there's a lot of like messy things going on here, but like there's a lot of good nuanced performances from both. Well, of hold these. on on Viserys now. Like he kind of you know he's still a dummy, but he wised up on Otto finally. Yeah, but here's the thing: it's with somebody else's help. It took Rhaenyra to be like, yeah, "Hey, bro, come on, come on." But I mean, you know, you. But I think Otto would have had to. I mean, Otto. I don't think Viserys would have had to stones even. With it, I think, you know, with the whole Renera, you know, Damon thing, it was just finally like, hey, man, I've had but, enough, bro. But can I've I say enough. the sex scene between Allison and Viserys is one of the most disgusting things I've ever... It's probably well, even worse than... It's even worse than Damon. He's rotting. Nah. The back is right. It was like, bro. Yeah. No, nah, I mean, that the stretch from Damon and Renera in the whole in the, in the Pleasure House to uh, even Renera with Sir Christian Cole, that entire, what, 10 minute, 15 minute stretch is just some of the hardest television I've watched. It was just all, all of like, it was gross. A lot of women out there all of it was gross. claim that they've had rotten sex, but she really had some rotten sex. Oh boy. Oh. <laughs> oh hey, Steve, God. give me a give me a uh, a rim shot right there, bro. Uh-uh. No, fuck you. A rim shot? <laughs> really? That's I really crazy. need a van took it too far drop. That's, <laughs> that's true. Yeah. All right. Um, you guys, that is a wrap. Me and these pseudo Star Wars fans. Bro, listen, you didn't even get to my big take. We didn't even get to my big take. What's your big take? This Andor is a start of a three-peat, bro. <laughs> we're getting we're getting an Andor. Uh-huh. That's chip number one. You know, made it back to the mountaintop. Mandalorian season three, chip number two, back to back. <laughs> and then the third one. Ahsoka. Ahsoka. I, I could never agree with Joe me more. But now I'll ask, I'll, I'll ask you this. Does the hierarchy of power okay. in the DC right, yeah, right, universe yeah, yeah. change? All right, all right. Thursday. No, but you don't answer this. Does the hierarchy of power in the Disney Plus universe change if we get a three P? And does Star Wars start looking at Marvel like, bro, you can't even come to the gym no more? Mm, uh, not really. There's not, not really, really Marvel films. There's no Star Wars films. 
That's a wrap. Thursday, Ben Lindbergh and Joanna Robinson return to break down episode five of She-Hulk. Friday, House of R will be deep diving into the fourth episode of Rings of Power. Saturday, Jomi and Steve are giving you their Harley Quinn season three thoughts. This Sunday, Talk the Thrones is back again as Chris Ryan, Mal and Joe give you their instant reactions to House of the Dragon right after the episode is done. Credits. Our producer is Steve, the architect, Almond. Jomi, the explainer, the enforcer. Adinaron is on social. Hashtag Jomarion? Marion. Jomarion. <laughs> oh, my God. Jomarion. I got an Xbox where my heart used to be. Hashtag Jomarion. <laughs> Hashtag Jomarion on social media. An additional production from Arjuna Rampapal. Thank you to the suit, Charles Texan. Sometimes the Midnight Boys takes are a hit, other times they're a miss. Van is smoking crack every single time he talks about Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> <laughs>wait, did wait, not to we're gonna get back to Rogue One. Did Black Widow and Bruce ever have sex? Yeah. Is the Hulk capable of having sex? As Bruce, as Banner, he can have sex. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll remember in Incredible Hulk, he and Betty are in a hotel room and they're getting hot and heavy. And his uh, the watch monitor, monitor wasn't yet. Yeah, was but this is years after that, yeah. though. So I think he's learned how to he's control the horny that. Hulk. I think the, I think horny Hulk. He's probably learned how to control. Do you think smart? Do you think smart? I was I was wrong about Steve Rogers. Around. So. Do you but, think Smart Hulk has like? You can't come on, man. You can't have sex if you're Smart Hulk, bro. Wait, why not? As, as Hulk, I don't think he can have sex with people that are Hulk. I, he has. I think he has to have sex with other Hulks. <laughs> I do. I there's not a lot cousin. of them Whoa. out there, bro. I was only one and with that, Hulk. House of the Dragon, uh, <laughs> bro. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But like I'm saying, I think he or, or when he goes to Sakaar, I think he can only have sex with <laughs> other Hulks. As Hulk, you can't have sex with a with a normal lady as Hulk or a normal guy. You can't you can't have sex. But it's like, like we gotta like his banner out on the streets like that. I don't think so. I think Smart Hulk has had his fun. You, you know, why, why why do we assume that like these people aren't having sex? Banner was having sex. That would be like twelve years of no sex, literally. But he here's probably, the thing: probably, to, to their point, in Incredible Hulk, he has a little heart monitor. But Incredible Hulk, he also at the end of the movie, he does learn he to control learns how to control it. He learns how to control it. But. So at the end of the movie, he learns. He's definitely has had some sex. Think about how dangerous it would be to have a banner who never has sex. Oh, Horny the Hulk would be so horny scary. Horny Hulk is really dangerous for the world. He definitely gonna smash. I kind of, but I, I feel like he's pragmatic enough to be like, listen, I could do this, but God forbid anything, it gets too crazy. I might just destroy this entire my, place. My last point. You know what? Actually, Banner went to Stark and he's like, yo, Tony, can you oh, make no, me an no, iron broad no, sex no, robot? No, no, oh, no, 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 no. To have sex with asshole. No. That, Come you on. guys can't no. deny, be honest. No. Lies. You guys can't dismiss that. Deception? You can't dismiss <laughs> that. Like, I need a sex contraption. I wonder what kind of stuff, because think about it. No. Nah. Tony probably had to build some stuff like that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I, 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 I'm, I'm out on that. I bet it would, man. Think about I'm, all I'm that. out. You guys got to be more mature, bro. I, yeah, you, 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 more do. Mature. you do. You do have the to math be more mature. Doesn't, the math's not really mathing on that. How? Why? 
think so they, so they build stuff for it. So so clean clean. So Tony's building all of this stuff because mm-hmm. Tony was a freak. <laughs> you you're telling me that Tony couldn't re reconfigure the Hulk Buster into something a little bit voluptuous <laughs> into a Hulk Buster the Nut Buster it lives in space. What? It lives in space. What? And he presses a button. Hulk is like, bring it, Faraday. Hulk is like, yo, man, shit. It's been a long time, man. I've been lullaby like three times. He's like, he's like, in the don't actual... worry, don't worry. Bring in what? What was her name? Veronica. Veronica. Not, it wouldn't be Veronica. It would be Betty. Betty. Well, it, Betty's the actual. It would be. Was... It would be. Oh, Betty. But they use Betty. They use Betty exactly. So it definitely would be named Betty. It would be named Betty Ross. Oh, Bring God. in Betty Ross. Yeah, I don't think that's how that. Well, would go we found down. our postgrad. <laughs> right. 